our society. So we're moving from our origin study, where did everything come from, to our meaning study, origin to meaning. The manner in which we came to exist, I would argue, has significant bearing on why we exist. If there really is a God that made us, why? And this is a very religious question today. And, well, not just today, it always has been a very religious question. And people have trouble with the idea that one religion, like Christianity, has all the right answers to this question about why we exist. And, and that other religions don't necessarily lead us to a correct understanding of our existence or who is God. So I want to explore that issue that people have with the exclu exclusivity of the religious claims that we find uh, within Christianity. You know, something like John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That kind of an exclusive claim is really hard for people to accept these days. So I want to explore and recognize the route that people are trying to go with this and, and provide some thoughts on how we can respond to that. But before we do, did you hear, you, you thought it wasn't going to happen, people, but come on, did you hear about the dad who had the peekaboo injury when he was playing with his kids? Yeah, he, it's really unfortunate. He had to go to the ICU. The I-C-U. Huh? I know. Yep. Yep. Shout out to Lori Granite for another good one there. Appreciate it. Just keep them coming. So anyone else, if you want, send them my way. Maybe they'll even show up on this podcast. Huh? So, all right, here we go. Let's get into it. <clears throat> so... A statement like, there can't be just one true religion. It is a kind of an exclusive claim that for people today say, wait a minute, that does not promote peace. That divides people. And so it doesn't lead to us loving them. Um, so that, that kind of claim, that kind of exclusive claim or sometimes it's called a dualistic us versus them kind of approach or binary way of thinking. It's, it's condemned quite a bit these days. And what I want to do is share a way in which we can go about uh, critiquing the, the condemnation that comes from those in our culture or even, uh, you know, friends or neighbors that we have, or family members that view these exclusive claims to be intolerant and unloving. So I'm going to give you a couple examples real quick, and then we'll go into a, a couple common uh, axioms or statements that we hear people make these days, and we're going to kind of just have the same approach to it. But let me let me start with an example here of where we're going to go. Do you remember 
when Obi-Wan was talking to Anakin uh, in episode three, though I would rather not like to even think about those three episodes. I struggle with all three of them. But uh, uh, Anakin made a claim and listen to how Obi-Wan responds to him. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I will do what I must. Oh, man. So Obi-Wan said, only a Sith deals in absolutes. Tim Keller actually tweeted about this, which I just love the fact that he actually tweeted about this. But he said, Obi-Wan said only the Sith deal in absolutes. Since that statement is an absolute, does that mean that Obi-Wan has turned to the dark side? Hmm, one wonders. Uh, this, this kind of uh, absolute or exclusive claim is something that, as I said, creates um, separation. It divides people. And uh, <clears throat> one person has critiqued this kind of um, exclusive claim, and I want you to hear what, what he says. I just read a book from him. Uh, his name is Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R, and he is, is trying to condemn exclusive claims. So, I mean, just, just a heads up here. I, I have significant issues with Rohr's not just way of thinking, but the theological positions that he comes down on. I, I find um, his ideas really troubling, and I don't think it lines up with what the Bible teaches. Um, so just, I want to share that with you. But I, I was reading this book over the, the summer um, because some friends of mine are, are becoming very influenced by him. Here's what Rohr says. Truly enlightened people... Do you hear that, guys? Truly enlightened people see oneness because they look out from oneness. Instead of labeling everything as superior and inferior, in or out. If you think you are privately, quote, saved or enlightened, then you are neither saved nor enlightened, it seems to me. That's one of his quotes. It's on page seven uh, in his book, The Universal Christ. Uh, I wonder, did you guys hear any absolutes in there? Did you hear any dualistic thinking of us versus them? Has he escaped it? Here's another one. Page 21 in his book, Rohr writes, For me, a true comprehension of the full Christ mystery is the key to the foundational reform of the Christian religion. Listen to this. Which alone will move us beyond any attempts to corral or capture God into our exclusive group. Hmm. So Rohr is saying we don't want to deal with exclusive claims or saying this group has it right and this group doesn't. Hmm. What do you think? Uh, <clears throat> one of my friends posted something on social media um, a while back. And one of the things that he wrote was, uh, he says, these questions 
have sparked, at least in part, uh, how polarized our culture is. And he said how I struggle with my binary way of viewing things and our binary way of viewing ourselves and the world in general. He says, what I mean is we seem to value right versus wrong, us versus them, my group versus that other group who are blind to the truth, my religious tradition versus other faiths, and the list goes on. He says, what I keep coming back to is how limited, narrow, childish, nearsighted, arrogant, and self-serving this way of thinking and living is. So what I want to do is I want to do a little analysis, kind of like what Tim Keller did with the Obi-Wan quote. I want us to think through how people are condemning absolute exclusive claims of the faith, and I wonder, are they somehow protected from their condemning claims as if they were holding some kind of Mario star? Or does their very claim fall prey to their own critique? Uh, let me give you an example of what I mean. Great moment here. Uh, a panel of religious leaders and uh, Deepak Chopra, who is a New Age teacher, had made the claim that all religious belief, or all belief, is a cover-up for insecurity. And a pretty quick man in the audience came up and had a question. Here you go. I want to take another question. There's a gentleman in the red shirt back there. He's had his hand up for a while. Come up to the microphone. Uh, my, my question's for, for Deepak and and uh, the bishop. Now, you stated before that all belief is a cover-up for insecurity, right? Mm -hmm. Do you believe that? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I see. Now, that goes fast, but I wonder if you caught it. So the gentleman asked, you said all belief is a cover-up for insecurity. And Deepak said, yes. And then the guy asked, do you believe that? And Deepak says, yes, I do. And the guy just said, thank you, and then sat down. So what I want to do is apply the claim to itself. And we're going to have four of these. And let's see what we can get out of this. And Maybe there's a way that we can engage people who have a, a heart and a desire that I think is wanting to be loving, but I think the logic is misguided here. Number one, here's the first one, and I call these boomerang statements because I think they come back. If you bring them back on themselves, uh, it ends up critiquing the very statement that they're trying to make. Here's the first one. All major religions are equally valid and basically teach the same thing. All major religions are equally valid and basically teach the same thing. Well, let's just think about Christianity and Islam for a second. <clears throat> Christianity says Jesus was fully God, right? Islam says Jesus was a human prophet. In fact, we could even look at their religious texts. Of course, the Bible says in Matthew 27 that Jesus was crucified. In the Quran, 
it actually says, I'm going to quote it, we killed Christ, Jesus, the son of Mary, the messenger of Allah. That's what they say in their boast. But then the Quran says, but they killed him not, nor crucified him. But so it was made to appear to them and to those who differ therein are full of doubts with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture to follow. For of a surety, they killed him not. So the Quran actually says that Jesus was not crucified on the cross. And of course, both of those texts cannot be right historically. One of them logically has to be wrong. Of course, they both could be wrong, but you and I, of course, both believe uh, that the Bible is true in what it shares about Jesus. But the point is that the scriptures here in, in Christianity make a claim about who Jesus is, and, and Islam disagrees with that. They, they both can't be right. Uh, Keller writes in his book, the problem with this position, remember the position is that all religions basically teach the same thing. Um, the problem, Keller writes, with this position is its inconsistency. It insists that a doctrine is, that doctrine is unimportant, but at the same time assumes doctrinal beliefs about the nature of God that are at loggerheads with those of all the major faiths. Ironically, Keller goes on, the insistence that doctrines don't matter is really a doctrine itself. It holds a specific view of God, which is touted as superior and more enlightened than the beliefs of most major religions. So the proponents of this view do the very thing they forbid in others. To summarize, to say that all religions basically teach the same thing is to say that the doctrinal differences between Christianity and Islam, for example, don't matter. And to say those doctrines, doctrinal differences don't matter is an exclusive doctrine itself. So, have we avoided making an exclusive claim here with the first one? Nope. The boomerang comes right back, apply the claim onto itself. To say that doctrines don't matter is a doctrine itself. Number two. Boomerang statement number two. Each religion sees part of spiritual truth, but none can see the whole truth. Uh, maybe you've heard of the illustration of the blind man touching the elephant. And they each are describing a part of the elephant, the trunk, the tusks, the ear, the tail. <clears throat> but none of them have the whole picture. So this approach is trying to say, yes, there are religions that have truths in them, but there isn't one religion that really sees the whole picture. If you think about it, in order to say that, you need to actually see the whole picture in order to make that claim. In other words, it's like saying, no one can see the whole truth, uh, except me, I'm seeing the whole truth. Which defeats the claim, which said none can see the whole truth. So, no one has comprehensive knowledge in order to be able to make such a critique. Like, each religion sees part of spiritual truth, but none can see the whole truth. Again, the approach here 
by people in our society is to sound enlightened and tolerant and open-minded. And, and of course, there's a, a charity um, that we need to express in how we listen to people and think about their ideas. But at the same time, we want to be sensible about this. And it seems like this approach to just condemn exclusive claims struggles to hold um, any logic. Uh, can we do two more real quick? we got a little bit of time. Two more. How about this one? Religious belief is too culturally and historically conditioned to be the truth. In other words, the reason you believe what you believe is because of how you were raised. Maybe it would sound like this in the classroom. Mr. Jones, you're a Christian because your parents raised you to be a Christian. Well, yeah, think about that. Now, is it true that I'm a Christian because I was raised in a Christian home? Well, of course it's true. Uh, if I would have been raised in Iraq, is it likely I would have been a Muslim? Absolutely. And I say this, and the seniors, they just start scratching their heads. They're like, wait, 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 what? What's going on? But it doesn't follow that how I came to believe in something has anything to do with whether that something is correct or not. This is what's known as the genetic fallacy. It attempts to invalidate a belief by explaining how one came to that belief. And it just doesn't make any sense to say that because you arrived at that belief this way, that the belief that you have is somehow wrong. Think about it. How one became a Christian has no bearing on whether Jesus actually rose from the dead or not. It clearly could describe the influences that led one to become a Christian. But the historical nature of Christianity, its truthfulness, isn't dependent on how we got there. Um, and of course, the statement itself, just think about it. If it's true that religious belief is too historically conditioned to be considered truth, then the person saying that about religious belief, their claim can't be trusted because they must be uh, historically and culturally conditioned. So the claim is invalidated once you apply the claim onto itself. One more. The fourth one, it is arrogant to insist your religion is right and to convert others to it. Uh, this actually was something similar to what I read earlier in the quote from my friend. My friend said it is his belief system was arrogant, um, that he had limited, narrow, childish, nearsighted, um, this kind of dualistic approach of excluding others in your beliefs. Has my friend gotten away from exclusive claims? Actually, if it's true that it's arrogant to insist one's religious ideas is right, uh, then the person saying that, who's making a religious claim, uh, is being arrogant. Maybe we have a different way to think about this. Maybe, in reality, we can't avoid exclusive truth claims. Maybe it's just something that we all do. 
And instead of trying to avoid them because they sound narrow-sighted, close-minded, intolerant, maybe we have to just weigh them all responsibly and think through which exclusive claim about reality and truth seems to make the most sense. And so that's my encouragement uh, for you guys as we really work through this this culture that we live in and how non-believers and now believers as well are really getting caught up in this idea that exclusive truth claims are unloving, unhelpful, and they're going in the wrong direction. Such a claim, like the claims that Richard Rohr made that I quoted in the beginning here, are themselves actually exclusive. I mean, when Rohr argues that truly enlightened people see dot dot dot, when he says we need to move beyond trying to corral God into an exclusive group, he hasn't left exclusive claims. He's just changing which group he's joined. So hopefully there's something here that can be helpful for you guys and maybe something that you can share with uh, people that you're talking with uh, about uh, the truthfulness and the exclusiveness of belief in Jesus. Uh, Because, as we read in Acts, uh, there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved.